Hi, this is Eric Lang, and I play Prince Leopold on ABC's Once Upon a Time. And you are listening to the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff (laughs) and Colleen. Hello. Hola. I don't know how to say hello in other languages, but howdy, y'all. Bonjour. Okay. That... This is... Guten Morgen. Right. That's good morning. Yes. Or Frank Morgan. Hello. This is the main show for the episode entitled Sympathy for... My voice cracked. Sympathy for DeVille. Mm -hmm. Not the devil. Right. DeVille. DeVille. And so we're going to be talking about some of our views and thoughts. And we're also going to be talking about some great emails and some voicemails that we received. And this is episode number 277. The show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 277. And I want to thank everyone who has gone to the onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support and supported us however they wanted to. There's a couple of different ways. And we appreciate that so very much. And that's Lady rustling about right but that's what she does she rustles we have some news we do two weeks we will be at regal con that is very true we will and we will be enjoying meeting some of the cast and Mm -hmm. meeting you hopefully if you are going yeah so we are very looking forward to that we are indeed and I believe that's all the news that's I can't think of any other fit news. to discuss. So, anyway. Well, there you have it. And the bumper music was perfect for that. <laughs> it was. Now, we just watched Sympathy for DeVille. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, I'll say it again. I didn't have sympathy for Cruella. Right. Sympathy meaning compassion for her. No. Right. But Zero. but I was thinking maybe it was for Madeline. Her mother. Because there's a very interesting episode title coming up. Mm. Now, it could be a couple of different people in mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. but it who knows? Yeah. If it was going to be any sympathy for anybody, it would have been for her mother. However, now... Uh, her name is Madeline, right? We established right. that that's her name. Yes. And Cruella. So if you go with any sort of nickname or kind of shorten it or kind of fun little play on words, Mad Devil, Cruel Devil. Mm. Yeah. So just want to throw that out there. And, and the reason I pull that out is because the movie Death Becomes Her, the characters' names were Mad Madeline, Ernest, and Helen. And so basically they said it was a matter in hell. Mm. So kind of thought that was appropriate here. Well, for sure, the the title mm-hmm. was really a takeoff of a very famous Rolling Stones song. Gotcha. But that's not 
you know, it means a lot of really different things. And you are right. It's almost like they cut off the name. Mm-hmm. Cruel was Crew Ella. Right. Deville. But if you put right. it together, obviously, it means something completely Correct. different. But now, here's the other thing, too. On Cruella's car, her license plate or her plate on the front said Dev Ill, mm-hmm. which I believe is exactly what was put into the animated feature, 101 Dalmatians. Right. However, it should have been Deville, and it would have still said the yeah, same yeah. thing, Correct. but it was just, anyway, that's just my whole thing. But if you look at Deville, it doesn't look like devil as much as Dev Ill does, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And definitely, and a number of emails have really gone more into this, but mm-hmm. definitely this was the darkest episode of Once Upon a Time yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. I, I believe. It's one of the darkest ones, I would I would say. It's definitely the top, in my opinion. But there have been a couple of others that I thought were pretty dark, too. Yeah. So, I mean... The one where Snow's father is killed. True. Uh, and Prince Leopold, or Prince Leopold, and as we just heard, yep. uh, King Leopold. That was that was pretty dark. There have been a couple of them that have been pretty dark. I love the... There have been a number of really cool camera shots and different kind of mm-hmm. homages to horror films like The Tower. Yeah. Some people didn't like that episode. But yeah. I felt it was ve- an homage to great... Great Asian horror films or mm-hmm. horror films from Nosferatu and and all those different sure. things, the different the shots and all that, mm-hmm. right? And even some of the updated ones. Yeah. But the that's what I was struck with this time is the final scene when Cruella went to go face her mother with yeah. her new power that was written in by the author. Yes. Is it was very stylistic. Yes, and you you mentioned when we were watching that the mansion reminded you of Hearst Castle. Yeah, very 1920s mm-hmm. feel. And I mean, we said this in the first thoughts. It's very, very 1920s, yes. roaring mm-hmm. 20s kind of a feel. I love the lights and the shadows on the wall. It was mm-hmm. very, very creepy. Oh, <clears throat> incredibly creepy. And, uh, of course, we know what, what happened as well. But... The, and it's very Hitchcockian in a way because they didn't show us anything, but we right. knew exactly what happened. And the the visual of what actually happened mm-hmm. would have been horrific. But just even imagining it, I think, was just as bad. In a way, it was like Jaws, yeah. where you saw certain things, but you didn't see uh-huh. everything. Psycho. Psycho, yeah. Uh, and definitely we we brought that in for sure. Absolutely. So the... Big question I came away with is, is Cruella really dead? And it really comes back to what Zelina said in the episode before. And I I may have mentioned it in First Thoughts. I can't recall. But Zelina said, you thought you killed me. You stabbed me in the cell. But my life force went away. Basically, you thought I was dead, but I really wasn't dead. And so when we were watching it this time... I was almost convinced, and you kept saying, is that I think that Maleficent would have grabbed or somehow usurped her soul, if you will, life force out of her before she actually died so that she can finish her business with Cruella. Because remember that, remember that discussion? Oh, she At was beginning, she's hot like, mad. Like, look, yeah, you're, you're going to answer last for, days. for leaving Lily out in the 
for us out in the open to die. The the worst part is that was a huge clue that we didn't pick up on at the very beginning to Cruella's real true nature when she said, I'm just not the motherly type. I just left the poor little thing out to die. I'm like, oh my gosh. And... Not only that, not only did I leave her out to die, I took her egg and helped it to keep myself and Ursula young. Which was very cocoon-like, the film Very cocoon. much so, yeah. And, but again, that was very, very cruel. Very much Leaving so. a child out to die. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... Think about that for just a second. Yeah. There have been a lot of things in this show that people have taken to task. But just that, and then the death of Madeline, oh my gosh. Well, those two things right there, it's like, whoa. Yeah, well, and killing all the fathers and stepfathers. Right. But, but what yeah. was interesting to me is Curla wasn't there by herself. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about Ursula? True. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> where where right. was Fair Ursula enough. in all this? Did Ursula leave her by herself? And maybe we'll see in tonight's episode. But, but you know, did Ursula leave Cruella there to kind of, you know... You take care of this kid. Maybe that's why. The only because thing... I, for some reason, I just don't... It doesn't strike me as something Ursula would do. The only pass I'll give Ursula is Ursula maybe still on this whole humans are evil, so I don't care. Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Again, that's not a justification no, for anything. it's not. But it's absolutely it is, not. But, yeah. That's no. the only pass I will give her. Right. For sure. Right. In thinking more about this episode, there was a couple of questions that I went away with. I want to know more about Madeline's backstory. Yeah. What happened to her? How did she... What's her backstory? Also, I want to know the backstory of the author as well. The author is far more interesting to me than Madeline, only because we kind of got a little bit of a taste of Madeline. We don't... I don't know that her backstory is really relevant to anything, necessarily. Well... True, but I just, when she had the exchange with the author and said, you don't know, have you ever been married? Basically, you don't know about love. And he really took offense to that. How do you know? Right. What are you, what are you saying? So I think there's more to that story. But I don't know that it's relevant to this, but I mean, it might be an interesting story. I just, for me, I would much more be interested in the author's story. Mm -hmm. So. And I do think the author's story is interesting in that. The choosing of the author right. by the apprentice right. and the the sorcerer, that whole idea, I think, is very fascinating. How, how do they vet them? What, what do they do? Do they pick stones or, you know what I'm saying, draw straws? or What do they do to choose? Right. And who was the author before him? Right. Right. And I wonder if there's a list. And, and this is very much like Lost. Yeah. You've got a list of these candidates and right. so right. that kind of a thing. Right. So there's a lot of really interesting things. We had a great email in the last main show that was saying there's so much story. I don't think we can wrap it up. We got four more episodes. Right. And I don't think we can wrap it all up. No. And I hope they don't. I'm happy that we did. We had a mention of the author before, but I'm glad we kind of took care of that in season four. But anyhow. Yeah. I just don't think they can wrap it all up in this season. I think that we're going to get a, a carryover into next season is what I think. And I know it's not official that it's been, it hasn't been officially announced that there is a season five. But I really hope there is. And I hope that they do actually carry this over into season five. Because it's too huge. 
True. It's way too huge to and just wrap up in three episodes, three, four episodes. Yes, indeed. We have some emails. We do, indeed. This sounds very Disney-esque, actually. Mm-hmm. And so we will go ahead and jump into these emails here. But the interesting thing is, this is really incredible here. I always wanted a special sound, and I finally have it. We have a first-time emailer. We love emailers from all, but the first-time emailer, I wanted to play a special, special fanfare. And this is it. So, would you go ahead, my dear, and read Becca's email? First-time email. First-time email. Yes, I'll be happy to do that. Okay, this is from Becca. The Cruella episode was one of the darkest episodes I can remember remember in the history of once. I felt like I was watching a creepy crime procedural drama, not a Sunday night fairy tale drama on the seven to eight time slot on Sunday evening. I take it back as in the central time zone, hmm? possibly. Okay. Um, but anyway, a good point. It was very much a crime procedural drama. It felt more like that than once upon a time, a little bit, especially the backstories part. Memorables. Number one, seeing Cruella as a little girl at the very beginning, she had a really creepy look about her. Her eyes looked darkened, and she seemed just like a very disturbed little girl. But as soon as her mother appeared, it immediately led me to believe that she was disturbed because her mother exerted such dominant and strict regulations over her and chased her with Dalmatians. What a twist when her mother was actually the sane one and little Cruella was the troubled one to begin with. Totally agree, because that was the first thing I had was her mother was the one who had, and that's where she inherited her powers or what have you. And as it turns out, not the case at all, and mom was really innocent. Are we to believe that Cruella was running away in the beginning scene after killing daddy number one? Hmm. If so, that's a very young age to begin killing other people. Shocking and more disturbing than any other content that I've ever seen on that I've even seen on OUAT. She makes Rumpel, Regina, and heck, even Zelina look like angels. And I would agree with you. Corella was definitely a sociopath. Definitely a sociopath. Uh, Continues. She said, I just saw a 2020 episode this week where a mother and daughter were pitted against each other in the murder cases of the mother's two husbands. First the father of the daughter and next the stepfather. It was presumed that they died from heart attacks, but upon exhuming their bodies, antifreeze was found in their kidneys. The mother was convicted, yet she claims the daughter did it. It was an altogether disturbing episode of 2020, and I guess that just caused me to have extra heebie-jeebies with this week's Once Upon a Time episode. Since the nature of their poisoning deaths was similar to the Once episode. Yeah, that would creep me out just a little bit, too. And that is very, very crazy. Um, Wow. And just to really understand that a younger Cruella, how would she know which flower or which plant would be used to poison someone? Well, I'm pretty confident that somehow she either saw another animal eat the flower and fall dead. Or... Her mother had warned her against it and not thinking about it. But the funny thing is, okay, so here's the other thing. Here's, here's where it makes it kind of crazy. Mom said in this episode, when she was explaining the real story to the author, she said after her father died of a heart attack, I went up to her room expecting her to be, you know, 
crying and mm-hmm. upset, right. and I saw a hint of a smile, and then I saw the trumpet flower on her bedstand. That should have been a huge clue to get rid of the trumpet flowers right then and there. Yet mom kept them around for two more husbands. And I have just saying, <laughs> I have definitely a lot of questions about why. I, I still didn't buy the whole thing about when the author asked Madeline, why didn't you go to the authorities? Well, how could I? I figured I could keep her close to fix her. And right. we. It's a misguided notion. Kind of get that. Or that may be a bit of a foreshadowing. Yeah. For snow, yeah, is that even though they tried as much as possible yeah. to take out the dark tendencies away from Emma, you know, per the author against the wall with Charming's mm-hmm. arm under his throat, he said the sa- the end of the story is the savior is going to go dark. Yeah, even after all that work, mm-hmm. a, a guarantee. Yeah, still. That's the way the story is going to end. Yeah. And so, anyway, I just thought that that was interesting that Madeline really tried to fix her outside of the authorities by basically locking her up and, and all In that. The attic, so, yeah. 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 All right. Let me continue with Becca's uh, email. Number two, the author writing Cruella's story to prevent her from ever killing another human smart move on his part. And I love that the spilled ink accounts for her classic black and white do. But I'm still curious about what all happened when that ink spilled. Early in the restaurant bar dance scene, he, the author, mentioned that there's no telling what would happen if the ink spilled. Are we to believe that all that will happen is that it will stain white hair? Because according to this episode, all the spilling will do is stain white hair. But they, the author, seem to imply earlier in the episode that something more serious than stains would result from spilled ink. That is absolutely true. What exactly were the consequences? I mean, we saw that... She went to the whole black and white and red, you know, cartoonish look. But again, what else is going to happen? Yeah, I to me, the spilt ink uh-huh. forced her into this cartoon character, this distortion Correct. of who she was. So it was right. almost bringing what was inside out outside so that she couldn't hide anymore it was who she was yeah and she she really was both sides of it because she could play Mm -hmm. the angel so easily i mean he even referred to her as an angel are you telling me that angel i dance with is capable of murder and the mother's like she did a number on you which we talked about in first thoughts was exactly an echo of what regina had said to bell so but the fact is is that i think with with the spilled ink it just pretty much showed her true colors it didn't change anything it just showed her true colors to the point where they weren't hidden anymore i think that the spilled ink plus the writing from the author Mm -hmm. but specifically the writing of the author is really the mix of the two is like the dark one dagger yeah it changes your appearance yeah and it locks you into this and imprison what her, you basically. Think, what you think is good, which is going to give you power, or s- someone thinks it will give you power, but actually it is imprisoning you. Yeah. And I think, I don't think Cruella is dead. And I think we'll that she will, basically, she and Rumpel are very similar in that mm-hmm. Rumpel really wanted to be free of the Dark One Dagger's 
whole limitations, whatever. And she, I think that's what she wants the same thing. Yeah, probably. So. Just, yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Number three, to add to this episode's shock factor, it was crazy that Cruella ended up being the most evil of all the three lady villains of this season since, until this episode, she had mainly been a source of comedic relief with silly jokes and funny one-liners. And that's true. She really was the most entertaining of the three simply because she did have those snappy comebacks and, and like she said, you know, silly jokes and one-liners. And um, it is kind of sad that she's the most disturbed of all of them. And maybe that's the point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Number four, Emma, the entire episode, her eyes looked bloodshot and you could really tell that she was emotionally upset with all that has happened between her and her parents. My favorite part of the show continues to be any scene with Emma and Regina. They have excellent chemistry as friends, enemies and co-moms of Henry. I continue to be filled with warm, fuzzy feelings whenever Emma tries to look out for Regina. Like in this episode, when she gives her a gun to protect herself as she prepares to help Robin Hood. Also seeing them work together to find Henry. They've come so far in their relationship. It's amazing how throughout their relationship, it has been Henry who has bound them together and compelled them to work out their differences. This is ironic because the object of contention in season one and season two was Henry. Mm, The thing that pitted them against each other has ultimately drawn them together in a relationship of mutual respect and dare I say love. Maybe love is too strong of a word, but it's obvious they want the best for each other, which I think qualifies as love. And I would agree that they do have a, I don't think it's a hate relationship anymore. I definitely don't think that it's, you know, anything other than they understand and respect and care for one another. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we could label it as love. I don't know that it's romantic love, but I would definitely say that it is, they absolutely have an affection and are looking out for each other. And definitely it is a total opposite of season one for sure. Oh, I think they care about each other, just their exchanges and they're really trying to help each other and Mm -hmm. help each other grow and learn just Regina talking to her. It's like, look, Emma, you're like a petulant child. Listen, you know, your parents made a mistake. Yeah. Just let it go. Accept their apology and and move on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk more about that in, in other emails, but yeah, I think, I think Emma and Regina are a great team working each other Mm -hmm. out. Two moms, thinking and, and working about the best for their son. Yeah. And I think that's great. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right. You want me to continue? Yeah. Next one? Yeah. Okay. And thank you, Becca, for that first time email. That was great. Fantastic points. Uh, this is from Chris Tipton. I have to say I'm extremely disappointed with this episode. I've been so pumped about this all season, and it was a major letdown for me. I did enjoy the twist that Cruella knew the offer, but that's pretty much offer author but that's pretty much where the good ends except for victoria smurfett's performance she was as enchanting as ever for starters they didn't even clearly illustrate what cruella's happy ending was i guess kill the author which why she's the one who screwed him over this show pretty much threw out their own idea about evil being made because cruella was apparently a little demon from the beginning this episode made me feel absolutely nothing for her, so the episode title makes no sense. The author also confused me. I don't understand what he meant by this place has no time. I wonder, is this place like a parallel England? If so, does this open up the possibility for multiple parallel universes? Does every realm have a parallel place with no time? I really hope they explain this better. They're literally making the author a god figure. He can do anything he wants with that pen. This also bothers me. Totally throws out free will and fate. And before I continue with the email, let's talk about some of those points, because uh, there are some good points in here and interesting ones. And um, so, uh, yeah, the fact that Cruella, her desire, her happy ending was to kill the author, because I think he 
he restricted her what she mm-hmm. felt she needed to do. I mean, right. she said to him point blank at the end, you know, talking about going to the dark side, said, I figured, you know, why the hell not go have some fun? So right. for her, it was all about fun. She was very disturbed. We don't know why. We assume it was because she saw her father's death. But at the same time, it seems like she's actually the one who killed her daddy. So why did she kill him? Did he not give her something she wanted? Did he not, you know, treat her well? I mean, she lived in a beautiful home. So it's not like they didn't have money. It looked very much like they had some money. So they weren't, you know, destitute. It was just, we don't know why. So as far as that goes... Yeah, it is kind of a really weird thing about, you know, uh, her being, you know, evil is, isn't born, it's made. Well, in this case, it may very well have been born. Well, there's a rumple factor in there somewhere. There has to be more to the Maybe, story. That's that's all I'm saying. It's, it's, tough to, it's tough to think about. So, you know, um, the, the whole thing is, yeah, the title, episode title, again, we don't know which DeVille they were talking about. Were they talking about sympathy for her or sympathy for her mother? Because I think that's really where the episode ended. We were supposed to feel sympathy for her at the beginning because we felt like her mother was trapping her in the attic, being cruel and mean and nasty to her and a horrible, horrible witch of a woman. And turns out she was actually protecting her and the rest of the world from Cruella. So... Then again, when you name your kid Cruella, you kind of have to expect it's not going to be a sweet little child. That's just me. Um, the other thing, the whole parallel England, the place has no time. We noticed this also in uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. If you watch that series, you'll know that it really had very little to do with you know the real England at that time. We also kind of have seen this before with the Darling Children. Because the Darling Children, theoretically, would have been alive based on the way everything was done and the dress and all that stuff would have been the like 1800s but clearly it's not so i think that there is such a thing as these parallel universes that have you know references to real places in our world but these are different realms and he even said it was a different realm so it's not like it's you know the known world that we're used to that was a completely different realm that's my take on it well, because I think they're implying a book creates this realm. Sure, absolutely. So it's not the real England or the real whatever. Correct. It's the creation of the, the words on a page. Absolutely. So, it's an amalgamation of things yeah. and places and people and what have you. Um, and then as far as the making the author a god figure, he can do anything he wants with the pen. That, that is true at this point because he has not follow the rules. He has taken it upon himself because the rules, if you remember, were that he was supposed to record what happened, not write things into existence. And he is one of the few authors that has figured out that he can actually change the story, apparently. And he was voted into. He was chosen. He was chosen. So he's not all-powerful. Nope. He is under control, basically. And not only that, he is limited by the pen itself and it has to be the enchanted one he can't just write some story willy-nilly with some other pen and have it come into existence apparently it's that specific pen i would imagine that there are certain limitations even with that magical quill Mm -hmm. that you can't write certain and we will more than likely find out sure tonight yeah quite possibly on the episode entitled lily so the i i sort of get where Chris is coming from here but on the other hand it's like he's actually under control and he he 
he knows how to change things, but I don't think he can change his own fate, right. which it's very interesting is that there is this power. The pen is mightier than the sword. There's all these kind of different things, but when it's your turn to actually write other people's stories, it, it becomes less fun really fast. And it actually is probably not a good thing to be chosen. Well, I, I would say, imagine it's easier to write someone else's story and to write it the way you think it should happen than it is to actually be the, you know, write your own. Right. Or be your own. Yeah. 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 Got it. That's yep. why that's why Madeline kept saying, go out and stop writing other people's stories, live your own. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, under- I definitely understand the uh, the line in the email here. It totally throws out free will and fate. It does. Well, yeah. In a and sense, yeah. Because they, especially in stories from a Disney perspective, mm-hmm. they have these perfect heroes. Sure awful villains sure and that's who they are yeah it's very black and white right but that's not life no in reality nope nope life is full of grays even and though messy. some people do not <laughs> uh see those grays but life is full of grace yeah and sometimes you know certain things aren't certain things to certain people and in mm-hmm. life is not black and white and so no, it's not the the interesting thing is, in this situation, a writer is writing these stories, but the people and their decisions will. We need to see how that all works out. So, again, this author, and we already talked about it, is kind of like the Dark One Dagger. It's a very limiting mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But what if they expel or destroy the author? What then? Yeah. Then there's no limitation. So, correct. So, all right, continue with uh, Chris's email. Emma, I'm pretty disturbed by Emma right now. Everyone is telling her she should forgive her parents, and she just refuses, even after she so easily forgave Hook and Regina, as they even pointed out to her. And then there's the ending. I absolutely hate this. Emma Emma killed Cruella to protect Henry. She didn't know that Cruella couldn't kill him. Cruella was screaming that she would kill him. I find this very stupid to be the thing that turns her dark. Just another reason why I don't like this episode. So let's talk about that. Um, first of all, Emma refusing to forgive her parents, even though she forgave Hook and Regina, right? What I see from that, this is my personal view, is that Hook and Regina are not her, her parents, which is, I know, kind of an obvious, (laughs) good job, Captain Obvious. I get that, but it's a different story when it's your parents you have higher expectations for them. You know, you have, we talked about this in our last shows, uh, main show episode where people have really high expectations for the people that they love and care about. And I know Emma loves hook and I know she cares about Regina, but it's different because they're not, they're not who they didn't. Emma said it perfectly. You didn't represent yourselves as being good heroes. You gave no illusion to who you were. You owned what you were. They falsely said that they were heroes and good and awesome and kind of left out the whole, they did a bad thing part. However, I will say this. Emma is going to need some time for this. She can't just forgive them right now. Because they lied to her. Not only did they lie to her, they also pretty much told her, we we made you who you are. You didn't have a choice in this. The end justifies the means. Absolutely. And, and that so therefore, is tough. Yeah. 
And so for her, I think she's frustrated that she didn't get a choice to make herself be a good person. Right. She was basically born to it, so to speak. Right. So again, she's challenging this idea of free will and fate. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, she is. Mm-hmm. So she's frustrated anyway. that her parents disappointed her. They lied to her. They've been lying to her. First of all, they did a bad thing to Maleficent's child. Secondly, and, and she is so indignant about that because of what they did to her. If, if she didn't, if they had not done what they did and made her, you know, removed all the potential for evil, she probably would have been like, okay, I'm really unhappy with you, but she may have been able to forgive a little easier because she wouldn't have had all the potential for evil removed. But being that human beings um, have the potential for good and evil, most people have both. When somebody does something wrong, if we really look at the you know the intentions behind it, even if it's something wrong, we usually have an easier time forgiving it because, well, they had good intentions. And it, it comes to us easier. But when you don't have that that balance in your life, which Emma clearly does not, then it's harder to forgive that. That's my take on it. So um, that's my whole thing. As far as her killing Krell to protect Henry, absolutely. We don't argue that in the least because she had no idea that Cruella didn't intend to kill, uh, didn't have the ability to kill Henry. Because Cruella did threaten it multiple times. Well, she was set up by she was absolutely set up by Rumpel for sure. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And it actually served two purposes for Rumpel because even if Regina had been the one to get there, as long as it was Emma that did the killing, that would be that was the whole point was it would have served that purpose. But even if even if Regina had been the one, that still would have worked in his favor in some respects because that would have, you know, Regina I, I don't know that it would have turned Emma dark. And and by the way, I don't think Emma's dark yet. I don't think that's the thing that's going to turn her dark. I think that is a small step step towards her becoming dark. I don't think that necessarily means she will. Because, again, look at Charming and Snow. Quote, unquote, they were on the dark path. They got themselves righted. So there's nothing that says that Emma's going to go completely dark. The author may have said the story ends where Emma, the Savior goes dark, but that does not mean that's really going to happen. True. Remember, he only writes what happens. He has been writing the end of the story you know, and, and at this point, I just, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put my bas- my eggs all into the Emma Goes Dark de- basket. Maybe she will, maybe she won't. We'll see. Okay. And it's not to say she won't go back to good either. Right? Right. So that's where I want to just kind of put that out. All right. Um, next portion of the email. Portion. What the hell is that word? Um, the Charmings. Oh my, how I can't stand the Charmings right now. I understand making mistakes. That makes us human. But to me, the part of what makes a, a hero is repenting of those mistakes. Snowing is not doing this. They just keep trying to justify themselves to Emma. It's one of the more frustrating elements I've seen in this show in a while. I really miss the snowing of season one. Well, sure. I've, it, it is. It's one thing. And that's why people enjoy Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And that's why people enjoyed the Disney animated features. Sure. It's because the heroes are heroic. Right. And they don't make mistakes. But that's why I love Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. It's because the camera runs after the movie's over. Right. We see day two, three, four of Sleeping Beauty, of ever Snow after. White. Yeah. What happens five days in, five months into Happily Ever After? Yeah. 
we we have real life we have trouble mm-hmm. and so i understand your your feelings about this oh definitely but this is real life and because heroes make mistakes and they may not repent to your satisfaction or to our satisfaction people don't when there is a disagreement and watch any Dr. Phil for this. No one says the right way, I'm sorry, or I made a mistake. Right. Because people take their own... Life is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not an episode. We're not done in an hour. It's right. a journey. And sometimes people are all on journeys, even if their journey ends in making amends for something Mm -hmm. the the way they explain it or talk about it it may sound like justification but at that point right then they're just being honest yeah and they're explaining why and it may sound like a justification to you but to them that's probably as honest as they've ever been Right. Because he probably never really talked, wanted to talk about it. There's also the possibility that before they actually like apologize, they want Emma to listen to and hear and understand what they were trying to do. And when Emma says, okay, I get what you're doing, then they can apologize. I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. But yeah, it is one of those things. It's, it's, I'm, the words I'm sorry are the two, two of the hardest words that are ever spoken by anybody in the world. And anybody who says they can say I'm sorry easily and really truly mean it when they've done something really wrong, I think they're selling you a line of hooey. Hooey, because that it is a very difficult thing to admit. You've that's an admission of I did something wrong, and they've said they've done something wrong. They just haven't used the words I'm sorry. They admit that they made a mistake. They have admitted that. The just the words I'm sorry. It's funny how everyone assumes that an apology must have the words I'm sorry in it. Isn't and, that funny? Well, if you think about it, yeah. the point of the point of apologizing is not necessarily saying the words "I'm sorry." That is a that is a great way to communicate it, and that is an easily understood way to communicate it. But apologizing is right. also a way of saying admitting that you made a mistake. That's just my the, philosophy. The most difficult bridge to cross. Is between family members. Oh my gosh! Yes, the chasm between the two opinions, the two minds of family members, is the most difficult thing because you're talking about blood, you're talking about DNA, you're talking about history, you're talking about all these different things. Connection. And when one hurts the other for whatever reason, whether it's hidden or not. And the reconnection takes brick by brick to build the bridge. And it's very, very, very difficult. And so I I, I hear your struggle. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I believe that the writers are reflecting real life mm-hmm. and being, I would agree. being real. I would agree. So being, being, you know, at war with your family members because they are the people you're most closely connected to in theory uh, is very difficult and it does take a lot more to build it because they're not, you can't just go, well, you know what? They didn't want to, you know, ha- repair the relationship and eh, I can go get more friends. Family is family. You're connected forever. So it's one of those things. It's a, it's a tough, it's a t- and especially with snow and charming, I think too, you know, their whole thing is 
they lost Emma. They lost 28 years of her life. They didn't have that with her. And so now they're trying their best to, you know, it's a tenuous relationship at best simply because she has been so resistant up until, you know, early this season in calling them mom and dad and what have you. I mean, it's been really tough. And so it's a delicate balance. They don't, they didn't want to throw it off. Unfortunately, they went about it the wrong way. Made a mistake. Just remember, just remember how difficult it was when the whole thing came out that they were her parents. Oh, dude. Dude, that I mean, was that crazy. was tough before. Yeah. So yeah. We, we need to move on. But yeah, we anyway, do. Glad, glad we had our thoughts to nope. that. Good, good thoughts. Uh, next next thing is uh, Rumple and Belle. I felt for Rumple. He really does love Belle. He just can't see past his power. It was heartbreaking when Belle made the comment about Will. Thankfully, it was Regina talking. I wonder if Belle gave her heart willingly. I didn't enjoy seeing Regina like this again. I hope she's not reverting. I don't think she is. I think she's finding out that she needs to go. She needed to go this route, even though it is kind of an evil queenish kind of a thing to do. I think she did this simply because she knew she had to protect Robin and she needed to be able to go and save him. This is all before she knew anything about Henry. So at this point, uh, I don't think it's her reverting. I think it was means to an end kind of a thing. And that's really what I kind of think about it. What did it remind you of? Anything that you've seen before? Oh, we've seen this a number of times. It Cora. reminded me of uh, the end of 3B when... Hook? No. When Rumpel did it to Hook? No, no, no. When Regina basically blasted Zelina away with her white magic. Yeah. And Zelina said, no, you can't, you can't do that because you're a hero. And she turned and she said, not today. Remember, it was a choice. Yeah, yeah. And so even though she's on this path to redemption, she understands that she is both. I mean, that we go boy back to season two with that. Yeah. You're both. You know, you do have this dark and light side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to make the decision. And that's what Regina did. Yeah. You know, people like the black and white mindset. Yeah. When you say you're something, when you say you, you follow this dogma or this whatever, people say, well, then you can't do the other. It's like, yeah, I can. Watch me. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it right now. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard. It's yeah. hard for people to kind of get around that idea. I, I think a lot of people want things to be very, like you said, black and white. Yeah. And it isn't, unfortunately, that simple. Life is full of Watch the news of, of, of people that are <laughs> at a certain level and a certain whatever, and you're shocked at what they have done. No, no, no. That doesn't meet with right. what they aspire to be. And yeah. it's just, unfortunately, that's the truth. Yeah. It's reality. It is. So. All right. Let me finish Chris's episode uh, email. Uh, overall, such a poor episode. Most of the writing seemed jumbled and didn't really make sense. The Emma arc has become terrible. Snow and Charming just suck, and Corolla's backstory left much to be desired. They didn't even tell us how she got to the Enchanted Forest. The more I write, the more I hate it. Victoria Smurfit's acting is really the only saving grace. Four out of ten skinned authors. I'm well, kind of sad that you didn't enjoy the episode more than you did. And I, I mean, I totally get it. You're entitled to your feelings. But I, I think that it was actually one of the better episodes. It was one of the most dark episodes. And it uh, it did it did raise some questions. I agree. How did she get to the Enchanted Force? We don't know. But um, maybe we'll find that out later. Maybe they're saving that for another episode. We don't know. I don't even know if it's even relevant. But... It's one of those things that's, you know, they they chose where they went with this and, and we kind of have to kind of just 
go along for the ride. So, but I I just wanted to ask uh, Chris Tipton what what has been your favorite episode? This probably is probably one of your least favorite. I want to know. Let us know what your favorite episode sure. of Once Upon a Time is. Yeah. All right, uh, I'll take over for a bit. Sure. This is from Chris, not Tipton. It's just this gentleman's name, Chris. In my experience, you don't get used to the taste of gin. You either like it or you don't. Chris, good to know. <laughs> I, I I have never tasted gin. Nor have I. Sorry, I, I can't I, tell you. I have imbibed here and there um, the drinks. Other things. Yes, but not gin. not gin. So I will definitely keep that in mind. Oh, big doings. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Chris, not Tipton. Yeah. Sent in two emails. Woo-hoo. So that's a double ringer. Nice. That's a double ring. Nice. All right. Hi, guys. I'm bummed. They killed off a great character like Cruella. We don't know that, though. She could still be alive. Yeah. You never, you know? Anyway. And keep a dull, boring one like Zelina. Oh, but she has such a great oh, no. scene with... Zelina. Oh, Zelina. I think Zelina's really? going to be awesome. All but right, that's Chris. Me. That's your opinion, Chris. But mm-hmm. I yep. really think yep. I don't know. We'll we'll see. All right. I really wish that they would have reversed roles and Cruella was the baddie for the rest of the season. Well, we don't know. I mean, Cruella We're could still be dead. around. We're assuming she's dead. We All don't right. know. Jeff, did you see Shades of Revenge of the Sith and in the end? I did, but I didn't say anything. So I will continue to read your thoughts and I will probably agree 100%. Emma throwing Cruella off the cliff reminded me of Palpatine throwing Mace Windu out of the window. And Emma's look at the end reminded me of Anakin looking out at the lava fields after Order 66 was completed. Yes! Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. That's a fascinating thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And because definitely it is the takeover of power. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unlimited it's the power. Yeah. 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 Great, great, great. All right. Uh, Colleen, you mentioned that Emma killed Cruella for the right reasons. And I don't disagree with that. But I will point out that the fact that he had a noble reason saving Padme, Anakin, didn't prevent Anakin from falling to the dark side. Evil acts are evil acts, no matter the intention. Absolutely agree. One thousand percent. Yeah. Her killing Corella was not exactly the best way to go about doing it. I understand why she did it, right? But I still don't think she should have. That's the difference. Yeah, it's it, and it, she may have had the right intentions to save Henry, which is a noble thing and a, an understandable thing. But I still agree that she should not have done it because that's just not the way to do it. Heart of gold and sympathy for the Deville are really great bookends mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we were talking about how stealing is not good, whether you steal for mm-hmm. yourself or you steal for someone else. And so there's a lot of really great oh yeah compliments between those two episodes. Yep. And all right, I will continue. This may have been my favorite episode title, not only because of the title reference to my favorite Rolling Stones song, this one. Yeah. I gotta fade it out because I gotta fade it out. That's all right. Please do. I could say I'm playing the bongos. 
street. But it's not me singing. Anyway. No. All right, so uh, Stone song, Sympathy for the Devil, but the way the plot unfolds is similar to the way the song unfolds. The song begins with a seemingly polite man introducing himself, and it isn't until the final verse that he admits that he is Lucifer and is unapologetically evil. Cruella spent the whole episode in the guise of a polite young lady and at the end revealed that she was unapologetically evil as well. I'm going to miss... Uh, Victoria Smurfett, she made the very horrible character a real treat to watch. I agree. Absolutely. And because because of her big eyebrows and, and all that, it reminded mm-hmm. me of a very famous uh, black and white film actress. And I can't... Who's the one that had the fingers cringing looking in at the camera? It was a really famous actress with kind of really penciled in eyebrows and things i can't I'm thinking of like joan crawford or probably joan crawford i think is what a, it kind of reminded me she of. had the joan crawford look go down yeah very much but, so but obviously when she was younger in the in the club specifically yeah. very pretty but obviously oh, yeah. like we talked about spilling the ink brought that evil out of her mm-hmm. into and changed her yeah. look yeah. and as chris said like palpatine yeah because he was doing the same thing. He was just real mild-mannered little guy, kind of pulling the strings in the background. Yeah. But when he really let his, you know, evil force out, then it changed his appearance. Absolutely, it did. It, it totally did. And, yeah, uh, the whole black and white thing is very... Um, showed her true nature, which was dual nature. She had a dual nature. She had the good, sweet, innocent, blonde, beautiful girl and the harsh evil just sociopath there's a lot of people that really liked cruella now for i need to say first of all victoria smurfett is a fantastic actress oh, absolutely the character to me was kind of always backseat little snarky comments yeah absolutely i i really wanted to see what this character could do mm-hmm. and where it went yeah and it was surprising to me where the character went but i really wanted to see it's kind of like when you buy a high performance car and you drive it in traffic mm-hmm. it's like i know this car could go somewhere right. i just need to take right. it out on an open road and that's what i wanted to see this character yeah. and it was kind of shocking but finally we see where this character went and it was nice the exchange between her and isaac and storybrooke and and all that but it was nice to see more of this character so yep. Yep. and it's kind of sad that she is gone but i don't think she's gone <laughs> all right i'll finish <laughs> up the email keep up the great work your podcast keeps me entertained while working the shirt the third shift chris we're very happy that you take us along yeah, on the third shift that's great Thank you so very much, and may the force be with you. All right. (laughs) From Trace, hi, Colleen and Jeff. I guess I am a dark person because I would blast anyone off a cliff attempting to kill my child. If this is the thing that makes me dark, oh, I'm sorry. If this is the thing that makes her dark, I'm not buying it, though. Heroes have killed. Charming and Snow killed many guards while taking back the kingdom. I mean, really, Snow intentionally got Regina to kill her own mother and her heart just got a little dark spot. Petulant child fits perfectly for Emma. 
Mm-hmm. I am annoyed that she can forgive everyone else, but won't try harder with her parents. And if I was Snow, I would have called her out in it. They were friends, after all, before she was her mother. I wonder what Regina would have done if she had gotten there first. Which, by the way, Ugg, Rumple, he planned the whole thing. I love the conversation with Hook, Regina, and Emma in the woods. Emma's retort to Regina about holding a grudge on a 10-year-old for spilling a secret was so funny. That's true. Because mm-hmm. I think people have an opportunity to kind of explain the silliness. And a good friend will say, wait a minute, you're the same way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why are you coming on me like that? No, no, no. Okay. Way to go, Regina, with the Bell Heart Scheme. What a great job done by Emily DeRevin when she said, Will kisses so much better than you. I could almost hear Regina's snarky tone. So great. And that's true. We didn't see Will. There must be, like, they must have in their contract that you still need to see their name in the credits, even though there may or may not be in the episode. I look for Michael Saka. Yeah. Um, so. I yeah, I'm not, I can't remember what the what the ruling is on that, but yeah. Maybe it was the last episode. I'll continue no. with the email. Yeah, let's do that. I have a theory that it will actually be Bell or Hook that makes the ultimate sacrifice in the end of this season. Perhaps even becoming the dark one to save Rumple or Emma. That's very, very interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Bell's happy ending was always to be the hero, and Hook's is Emma, so he would do anything to save her. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know, there's always these rumblings about you know, we're going to see the death of another character, and there's mm-hmm. always this kind of choosing somebody out of the hat. But could be Hook. Oh, God, I don't know. Kill me. That would kill to me. To save Emma. Because in a way, I mean, that's really what happened to to Neil. Yeah. Neil's death saved everyone. Yeah, it did. So another sacrifice? I don't know. I have a theory that it will actually be Bell. Okay. You already read that part. You need to go down. I know a lot of the fandom is theorizing. All right. That Emma may become the dark one. But I just don't think she'll go that dark. And it seems too obvious. But turning into the big Emmond and the Big Bad for next season sure would be a great twist and would make for a better story for the author. Got it. Got it. All right. What an awesome well, did you Yeah. I mean, we've we've said that. If Emma goes dark, it'll make for an interesting story, that's for sure. Cause if 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 not, what's what's the end result? Who's the next baddie? Is it Rumple? Because he's kind of already there. Well, and if they leave the heroes quote unquote and the savior quote unquote alone. Yeah. From all this. Yeah. Change. That's really not fair to anybody. I, I know a few people that have been on dr- <laughs> drunken binges through this half season. Yeah. yeah. Just because they really love Snow and Charming so much and they love yeah. Emma so much. Yeah. But when you're in a drama, it yeah. is all about drama. Drama. And these evil characters that have made redemptive steps, even missteps... Right. The good characters have got to have some kind of bad somewhere. Yeah, that's true. What an awesome backstory. Not at all what I had expected. So her happy ending was to be able to kill again. Great twist, and that's just pure craziness. But it did fit her character. Very dark, 
with the mom death by dogs, and she cleaned up those pelts into a coat very quickly. Okay, sorry, but that was creepy in such a good way. We will finally call her a queen, uh, a queen in the darkness. No, a queen of darkness. Remember that queen was, of darkness. Yeah, that was her whole thing. True. I really love the costume setting and the music in the episode. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that. It was very, very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very Disney, obviously. The, well, they the, pulled out the, the sound the, of the the music and everything. Well, they pulled but it the very music different. from the movie, from Hunter One Dalmatians. Yeah. The song yeah. that Roger wrote, Cruella DeVille. Yep. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Yeah. But I, I agree with her. And I, I missed being born in in that era. I should have been born, like, in that era. That's That would have been my, my time that I would have enjoyed. All the nods and twists to the original story were so well done. How fun. Very Gatsby. Mm-hmm. The author is a genius for writing that note about Cruella. I think Emma taking out Cruella served two purposes for Rumpel. One, it helps turn Emma dark. And two, I think he's going to extract the ink from Cruella. It didn't spill on her just to turn her into a cartoon character. Oh, well, now that's an interesting little tidbit. There. So if that is the case, it's sort of like the ink that was used to write Emma, 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 Emma. It was right, actually to kind of hold it on that yeah. paper yeah, yeah, yeah. to be used later. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If Emma goes darkish, I hope it's true love's kiss from snow to save her. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be. And that would be the nice kind of finishing out of that yeah. difficulty that they're yeah. having. Yeah, okay, my heart is pitter-pattering thinking about it. I also like the idea of the realms being story-based. Just think now where they can go with this. Yeah, it's like a Jefferson hat thing without the hat. Exactly. And I'm telling you right now, I'm really looking forward to the possibility of them going Tarzan at some point. Okay. All right. What? It's I, a great story. Okay. I. All right. Plus, you know, Tarzan. I, I understand. I can't wait uh, for a bit more info on the author. How was he chosen? See, I'm right there with you. I want to know more about the author, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Does he write about him? Does he just write himself a portal to a realm if he wants to go? Good question. That is a good question. Things that make me go, hmm, evil is made, not born. That has been the premise of this whole show, except when you're Cruella and born a psychopath. I don't know that we have the whole story on this, though. There's there, there's pieces and sections that we haven't seen yet, and I'm very possibly interested that Rumpel is not hiding in some of those sections. I'm telling you, there's yeah, something possibly. more to the story. Very possibly. I have to say, I love that she is just evil for no reason and is proud of it. I'm just an awful person, darling, and I left her out here to die. No remorse. Own it, Cruella. But it did make me wonder why they chose that trope at this time, and how did she get to the Enchanted Forest? That's, That's a very popular question. Yes, it is. <laughs> how did she get there? All in all, a great episode. I'm ready for the Swan Queen road trip yep. in the Yellow Bug. Yep. Well, maybe Regina's car. I yeah, don't know. you never know. Big love to you both, and all the Oncers talk to you next week. Trace. Thank you, Trace. Thank you, Trace. Now, I wonder if the author thought she was so dangerous in that realm that he wrote her into the Enchanted Forest. Maybe. Don't know. Quite possibly. All right. This is from Brad. 
who needs 101 Dalmatians when two will get the job done? Oh, <laughs> Very sad, but unfortunately it's yeah. true. Yeah. Now on to things I learned in the episode Sympathy for the DeVille. Number one, if you've had blood on your car enough times to be annoyed by it, your license plate, your license should be revoked. I would true. agree. She doesn't drive very well, that Cruella. No, she is very reckless. Yeah. She can sew very good, but she doesn't drive good. Mm-hmm. Number two, never give a woman who just started drinking gin mag- magical abilities. That is also true. True. And I hear, Jan, you either like it or you don't. That, that yep. author's not yep. telling the truth. Number three, more villains need to dance to their own theme song. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is pretty funny. Indeed. Number four, the man that ruins a woman's hair has sealed his fate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, depends on how, how he ruins it, too. Numero cinco, if your daughter continually poisons your husband's, here's an idea. Stop getting married. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe send her to boarding school? I don't mm. know. Number six, real friends ask permission before removing your heart and using it against your ex-husband. Yeah. That's right, because Regina got Belle to agree to it. True. She quickly did, too. How can I help? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in. Number seven, the word is is, gold is a lousy kisser. I find that really hard to believe. (laughs) I figured you would. Just saying. I figured you would. I would need to test this theory out, though, for myself. Compare the two. I don't really want to kiss Michael. You know. What? We will be able to ask someone. We will. Who would know. Oh, yeah, we will. That answer. Actually, both of them. In two weeks. Both of them. Yeah. Rebecca and Emily. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. I still can't get over that little scene with the tabletop. And, well, let's just keep going. Let's, yeah. Keep Number going. eight. An upper hand is worthless without a wrist. That's true. That was, that was one of the great <laughs> lines. She said it pretty fast, too, but it was a great she line. She did, but it was pretty funny. Number nine. A devil can dance like an angel. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. Uh-huh. That's true. Number 10, even with all the power Cruella has over animals, she was no match for a couple of angry birds. Yeah, that's true. Apparently, she has no power over electronic animals. No, no. Yeah. All right. We have some voicemails. Really? It's been a long time. We haven't had voicemails in a while. That is true. That is true. I have been throwing out some wishes for a voicemail or two before today. Mm-hmm. But anyway. That's right. Here are two voicemails for this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tyler calling in. Um, just wanted to leave my thoughts on uh, mostly what I'm noticing with Emma, but also the episode. Um, so the episode with Corella's backside. <laughs> Dear heavens, she's dark. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, she's she got issues. Um, I liked the thing with the author making it so that she couldn't kill. I thought that was really interesting. Um I, I do agree that Emma, you know, accidentally killing Cruella isn't necessarily intentionally evil. Um, but 
while I wasn't at Star Wars Celebration with you guys, I was following along online all weekend. So Star Wars has been on my mind, and it got me thinking when I saw this episode. Um, you know, even if you're doing something for the right reasons, doing the wrong things can lead to the dark side. Um, you know, it. we all remember this quote from Yoda. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And I feel like that's kind of what Emma's going through right now. Um, and actually, it's interesting. If you look at her progression like her overall demeanor uh, over the last few episodes. Uh, even though most people don't like the Star Wars prequels, I'm going to go back there again and say, uh, if you look at the way Anakin looks at the beginning of Episode 2 compared to the way he looks at the, at the end of Episode 3, right before he uh, gets the Darth Vader suit, uh, it looks like we're almost to Vader. We're... I, I think the killing of Cruella, as far as Emma goes, uh, if we were to compare it to Anakin, would be somewhere around when he um, went to free or went went to free his mom from the Tusken Raiders. Um, I think that's about where we are in her dark side path. Um, as far as a big bad for season five, a couple that I want to throw out as uh, that I would love to see in the show. Uh, I would love to see Princess and the Frogs, um, the Shadow Man. I think he's pretty cool. Don't know if he's big enough. Um, another one I would like to see would be Frollo from Hunchback of the Dom. Again, I don't know if he's big enough. But one that I think could be pretty big, um, I know the movie didn't do as well, but would be a very interesting character. So as I was saying, as far as a villain and, you know, maybe some potential new heroes to come with it uh, for season five, I would be very curious to see their take on the Hercules story. Um, and I would really like to see their take on Hades because Hades is one of my favorite Disney villains. Um, and I would love to see that. Um, you know, I, I think he's a much-loved villain that uh, is underappreciated by the company as a whole. Uh, so I think he would be interesting. <laughs> Personally, I'd really, really love it if they somehow found a way to bring Star Wars into the universe, but I don't think that's possible. Um, but if they did, oh, man, I would love to see Darth Vader. <laughs> um, but, yeah, otherwise, um, you know, I just want to see characters that we haven't really thought about um, previously. Um, you know, I, I know that they had mentioned at some point that Mary Poppins was supposed to be inbound. Uh, she hasn't come in, and I'm a little upset about that, but, you know, plans change, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm really hoping that they can figure out a really cool villain for season five, because so far I think my favorite villain has been Zelina, because she is twisted. Um, you know, I want someone her level of crazy that doesn't have a good reason for being that crazy. Um, you know, take 
Cruella's reasons for being crazy with Zelina's actual actions, that's pretty much what I want to see out of a season five villain. So um, that's kind of my thoughts, and uh, I'll call back if there's any other thoughts uh, about this episode, but I did really like it. I, I really loved it. You know, doing the period was so awesome. So you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Get rested up after Star Wars Celebration. And uh, prep yourselves for <laughs> all the fun stuff coming. Uh, it looks like we have four hours worth of Season 4 left to view. So should be a good three weeks coming up. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Wow, some interesting villains. Dr. Facilier from uh, Princess and the Frog would be kind of interesting. He really was a creepy, creepy character. So I'm not sure what they would do with that. But I'd like to see that just because I I really enjoyed that movie a lot. But They kept saying, though, that they wanted to do stories from other other countries. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, although I'm a fan of Disney, I think... I would be interested to see Greek mythology mm-hmm. and, and yeah, kind of branch out a little yeah. more. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see Star Wars. Nope. I really I actually don't. frankly hope we don't because that just, as much as I didn't like the doctor, it, it kind of sort of fit in a really roundabout way only because it's literary. Star Wars is way out in the field. That would be just too much for me. Well, we got a I'd phone. We got a phone ring. We do. Well, the phone yeah, ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. One you're of the right, episodes, you're right. and, and and we got references. There's here definitely and there. themes running throughout, but that not are Star the characters. Wars. And the, the good thoughts on the definite themes yeah. of Anakin falling mm-hmm. and sure. uh, to the dark side yeah, and all that. So yeah, for sure, definitely. And uh, anyway, thank you very much for those fantastic voicemails. Yeah, and we are getting to the end of our episode, yes, and we are. so. I think that's that's all. Yeah, I, I think we covered everything for this I think episode. We covered everything, so. And now, one of my favorite parts of the music for the episode, we want to send big love out to everybody. Mm-hmm. These last two episodes have really been challenging for a lot of our listeners. And so, we want to send big love out to everyone, whether you or frustrated with Emma or Snow and Charming or you like Cook or you like this and the other characters, we send big love out to you. Yeah. And big love is so big, you can't keep it all to yourself. So you take what you need and pass it on to somebody else because everybody needs it and that's what makes life worth living. Don't forget, when you're listening to our podcast, we really would appreciate if you would please tweet us. We really do appreciate that. So you can tweet at O-U-A-T podcast and let us know you're listening to the podcast and that other people should listen to. Thank you so much. We're going to once upon a time podcast.com slash support and using our link to the Amazon store or choosing however you want to support us. This podcast not only takes time, but it takes money and any help you can be to us. We really appreciate it. So until next time, which will be in a few hours today. <laughs> For first thoughts. <laughs> For first thoughts. This is Jeff and Colleen and Lady. Yes. And we say we will talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. 
This is a Roni's Own Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.